Welcome to the Directing Animation Livecast with Scott Weiser. Just one week before episode 23, when I unleashed 10 feature film pitches into the world, I partnered with Space Station Animation as a director on exciting original projects. This will open up even more opportunities on this show to explore the art of directing animation and the pursuit of telling deeply meaningful stories. So today our guest is Matthew Lunn. This is Matthew Lunn. <laughs> yes. So Matthew's background, he has an incredible background. And I, I love the part I love about your story is you worked on Toy Story as an animator, but then you started helping out in storyboarding. And then it was canned for a bit, right? They had to put the whole production on pause. And so when they brought you back, if I understand correctly, you said, I, I actually want to work in story. And so they didn't give you the job for a while. But they liked your integrity so much, your devotion to actually wanting to do storyboarding that they brought you on for a Bug's Life. Is that correct? Uh, very close. Yeah. So, but you got it all right. Just the, uh, the, the movies. It was Toy Story. Yes, I was an animator. I was one of the first 12 animators on Toy Story. I uh, got to animate the Army Men and a couple of shots with Woody and Buzz. But uh, yes, the film got uh, axed for a while. The, uh, the Disney company felt for a couple of different reasons that uh, the film would not do well. Yeah. During that time, when the story was being rewritten, all of us animators were asked to leave. And while I had been animating on Toy Story, I was also helping in the story department because uh, I was so excited about story. And then six months later, when they call, called us all back to say, okay, we're ready to get back and animate again. Disney's going to make the movie. I, I said I would love to work in the story department instead. And they said, but we, we really need you as an animator right now. Yeah. But I said, you know, my heart is really with the storytelling part. And yeah. Pete Doctor, who was very nice, he was the head of animation on Toy Story, said, well, if something comes up, we'll give you a call. But if you changed your mind on animating, please let us know. Yeah. And um, we said goodbye. And yeah. Uh, yes, I felt I made the biggest mistake of my life. <laughs> yeah. But about a year later, they did call me back. I was continuing to be persistent too, continuing to bring my portfolio in to show new story work I was doing. Yeah. But I ended up getting then hired to be uh, the very first storyboard artist on Toy Story 2. Yeah. And I ended up working on Toy Story 2 for about three years. Wow. And I was the last storyboard artist off of that film wow. as well. Well, the great thing and, that I really I like better about that story isn't that, you know, there was this big year break and you didn't do anything in there. Right. We were talking beforehand. I was telling you a bit about my history and I, there was 18 months of unemployment where it's like, what do you do during that time? Right. Yeah. And I would wake up and I would animate and I would network and yeah. I started developing these original projects, you know, at that time. So, yeah, it's good that you did that and that you were persistent and you were kind of a squeaky wheel that's like, look, I really am serious about the storytelling thing. Yeah. And I really am serious about working with you guys again. So, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I took every job I could. I was in San Francisco, and what, uh, whatever commercial animation studios needed any gags, storyboard artists, writing, I did whatever I could to start building up experience, and and to be honest, I can help. It's like, this is what I wanted to do. It really wasn't a choice. It's like, I really wanted 
to learn and experience and get better at storytelling and storyboarding. Yeah. So I just kept doing it. And, and then after I took that job at Pixar um, as a storyboard artist on Toy Story 2, then it then that became my career there for 20 years. Yeah, yeah. You worked on most of the films they've made, which is pretty critical. And the, the, the offshoots, like the yes. ta- terror time that story forgot. I can't even remember uh, yeah. the name of it. Well, I like to call these all of the uh, the Pixar, uh, you know, golden age yeah. of the uh, all the Toy Story films, Monster Thing, Finding Nemo, Ratatouille, Cars, Up, and then also tons of shorts, specials like Toy Story of Terror and Toy Story Time Forgot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I got to work on all those. Yeah. As a story guy. But now you've gone off and you're directing an independent film with the Blender Foundation, which Blender is yes. way different than the software I'm sure you're used to. And the style just looks incredible. And, you know, what, what drew you away from Pixar to create something so independent and, and kind of more gutsy? Well, you know, I think one of the things was when I hit the 20 year mark at Pixar as a storyboard artist and Pixar was starting to go more into it. Of like Finding Nemo two, Cars two, I almost felt like yeah. I'm revisiting things that I've already worked on, and I wanted to keep being challenged. And so it was scary to say I'm going to uh, step out now, and I'm going to just experience other opportunities of storytelling out there, and. There was a, a number of recent things, which I'm directing with the Sprite Fright with the company Blender. That, that was a, a really nice surprise because that hap- that, that invitation happened about 15 months ago, uh, right before COVID and lockdown and all this stuff. <laughs> so this is kind of my COVID cartoon I've been working on. Nice. And, and it's been, this is, this has also been the first time that I've directed, uh, uh, an animated short other than, ones I, I i made at college or something yeah so, yeah so it's been really exciting and um i'm actually in amsterdam right now because we're on the final month of production for everything from foley to finishing the score to the edit to the um you know final color for the film and then it comes out october 31st so nice yeah perfect date <laughs> for it halloween it is well yeah. It is called Sprite Fright, and I would say that it's uh, it's for those people out there that love the level of humor and creepiness that you would get from Gremlins mm-hmm. or a film like that. So yeah. this is that kind of level of, of creepy and cute, uh, <laughs> but it animated. So <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and and how how did that opportunity come to you? Because this is actually, there's funding you know, for this. You're making money on this. Other people are making money working on this. This is, uh, yes. This is kind of an unusual yeah, We're all getting project. paid. <laughs> we're all yeah. getting paid for this, which is great. This will end up being on Netflix. It'll be on Apple TV. So it's, it's very cool knowing that I'm going to be able to, when I go back home to the San Francisco Bay Area, I'll be able to sit, sit on my sofa and be able to watch this. Yeah. But, but really, how this all began was that uh, along with loving storytelling, I also love teaching people about yes, how to Yes, I noticed you do lots of workshops and like you can be I a storyteller, do. workshops. And yeah, exactly. I was really inspired by that. It was actually when I saw that that I was like, oh, this is a great guest. And I didn't even know oh, about okay. the Sprite, Sprite, Sprite thing at the time. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I actually, how this all began was it was maybe in 2015 or something. 
I uh, taught a storytelling workshop. I think it was two to three days in Italy. Can't beat that. No. Rome. Wow. And some of the people that came to the workshop, there was, you know, working professionals, students that wanted to get a job. But one of them was the producer from Blender. His name is Francesco. Huh. And, you know, there we there was like, you know, uh, probably a hundred people who were in the workshop or something. And but afterwards, he said, you know, we I really you know, I'm at a studio called Blender. We'd love to have you come visit us one day. And throughout the years, we chat every once in a while. <laughs> and but then he gave me a call about 15 months ago. And asked, would you ever like to direct something with us? Um, we'd like to get better at our stories. We've always been told that we have really strong when it comes to the lighting and rendering. Everything looks great, the modeling and sculpting and all this. But but we really want to get better at storytelling. Yeah. So I told them, yeah, I have three short ideas ready. <laughs> and he said, great. Well, do you want to pitch them next week? I said, sure. And then that weekend, I did proceed to go, oh, my gosh. Okay, let's come up with three ideas and uh, put together three ideas based on, you know, things that I had been thinking about. And the one they picked was uh, Sprite Fright, yeah. which I'm, I'm very happy they picked that one. Yeah. Um, but one of the things also that I knew I wanted was the character designs were very important to me. And also getting a really good storyboard artist. Yeah. And so you didn't do the storyboards yourself, so, then. You directed a story artist. No, I mean, it's one of the things that I've learned during this is as the director, you need to really be focused on the overall vision of the film. And mm -hmm. if you're just head down storyboarding every day, you tend to get lost in the woods and yeah. instead of looking at the forest, right? Right, yeah. Lost in the trees instead of looking at the whole forest, right? Mm -hmm. And so in the beginning, yes, I started storyboarding. But then quickly I realized I need to be overseeing everything. Yeah. So another one of the people that came into that Rome workshop yeah. was a guy named Dirk, who I saw that he had this great potential as a storyboard artist. Well, what's Dirk's last name? Dirk Van Dolmen. I know him. <laughs> you know Dirk? Yes, yeah, yes, so Dirk yes. He's great. incredible. He would give. He gave me one of his books at CTNX where he just oh, yes. sketches people on the street or whatever. Yeah, oh, yeah. And I, he was one of those people that was like, this guy's going to make it. He just... Uh, it's going to take some time. He's great. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So every project I've worked on since leaving Pixar, I've always had Dirk, whenever someone says, you know, a good storyboard artist, I have always ended up recommending Dirk. Wow. And Dirk and I actually now are developing two film ideas and a Christmas special. That is a uh, Christmas special that's a, maybe a little more uh, humor edgy, uh, not okay. the traditional Christmas special. But... So Dirk and I continued to work together, and, and I brought in Dirk as the storyboard artist on Sprite Fright, and I brought in Ricky Nirva to okay. be the character designer. Ah, and good choice. <laughs> if you guys know Ricky out there, he's the guy who designed Mike and Sully. Yeah. He designed all the characters on Finding Nemo and the movie Up. Yeah. He not only is my buddy from way back at Cal Arts, but he is my my one of my favorite character designers. So yeah, he's incredible. He he designed the uh the characters for the short. Ricky Nerva. Yeah, and definitely. Then, you know, made to look awesome by all those other guys. But yeah, and I had seen um the one that there's a shot of him in the forest by the campfire. 
I had seen yes. him in action, and I liked the style yes. of animation a lot. Where you're definitely not doing 24 frames per second, right? You you have a lot yeah. of um, held frames, which is great. Is yeah. it is it sometimes on threes and fours? It kind of seemed like yes, we yeah. wanted to have a stop motion look yeah. to them. So almost everything is animated on twos, unless we have things like fire or smoke, okay. and we do those on ones. Okay. Uh, as soon as you start animating fire or water or things like that on twos, they they it it uh, this this it, it starts to look it starts to break break the the belief or the spell uh, that yeah that the... stuff's real okay yeah that's cool so even on Pixar films when you watch fire animated it'll always it'll it'll look a little more realistic and be on ones yeah stuff. that's awesome that's awesome and you actually did answer my question of what's next because yeah. I am very fascinated about that. Do you have Do you have any plans of getting those funded, or you know what? I I for <laughs> me the next one I want to make is that Christmas special. The Christmas special, yeah. And you know it'll be like twenty twenty five minutes long, and we uh, have it written. We yeah. have it all beat boarded up. Right. Uh, we've been you know I've been working on this you know while working on Sprite Fright with along with the two other film ideas. Yeah, but the uh, the plan is to you know I think it's always smart to be ready. Yeah, and to be proactive. Right, and then you know one way or the other, I'm going to make that Christmas special. Yeah, so and that's the zone I've been living in as well. As we oh I, here's the time for my shameless plug. So I actually you know we had two episodes ago we unleashed the ten feature film pitches and Kevin Lima was a great host for that and I actually got it printed out here in a book form. So at CTNX, if you come see it maybe at my table. You can come and see the posters in a bigger format with the pitches and you can read through them and whatnot. And if you are, you know, an interested producer and you're wanting to collaborate with me, you just go to scottweiser.com slash collaborate and you can just sign up there to be able to view all these things. There's an animatic in there. You can actually read the full books. Um, there's just tons of great content in there. That's kind of been the zone I've been living in. You know, I like where you met your producer. That's a great story. It was very similar to where I've met the various people who are possibly going to produce my content. And yeah, it's just this matter of like constantly pitching and then just figuring out how to push the for the project forward continually, right? Like, yeah. how do we get to that next step? As long as we can get to that next step, we can yeah. probably get to the next one. Yeah, I love that spirit. I, I really believe that it's, you know, I have uh, certain projects that are, you know, ones that are important to me. Yeah. And I set aside a certain amount of time every day to work on them. Yeah. And, you know, I, I thank God I'm married. And yeah. I do have three kids. Oh, wow. Uh, but I still... You know, I set aside this time to continue to be uh, proactive on this. Yeah, you, you have to do that, I think, especially if you're the kind of person that has to. I, I noticed that Martin Scorsese uh, I, on his masterclass, he's he's saying this is not a masterclass for people who think, oh, filmmaking would be a fun profession or I'd like to yeah, be a, a director right, or whatever. Nice he's hobby. like, do you have to? If you yeah. have to make this film, you have to see that emotional moment on the screen. Then this is this. I might be talking to you. Is what yeah. say. It, it is a tricky thing because, you know, I mean, I'm working on a short film. It's 10 minutes long and I can, I still have the ability to have my weekends to myself. And there is time where I just shut down and I, and I stop. But for, for people who are directing films, full length films, it just never stops. Yeah. <laughs> it's all engrossing. And it, yeah, it's, this is not a hobby. No, <laughs> this is definitely something because you have to do it. It's yeah. part of. You're just passionate about it. And though I would say it is important, and I've learned this after, you know, I think, you know, when I first, my very first job in the animation industry, I was 19 working on The Simpsons. 
And that was like in 91. So I think I can say it's been like 30 years working in the animation industry. Yeah. And one thing I would say is don't kill yourself. Pace yourself. Oh, yeah. You know, that's great. You know, if you want to keep creating, you know, give your give yourself time to go dormant every once in a while. Yeah. So you can come back and and be re- re-energized with creativity. You know? Well, and having a wife and, you know, a few kids. I have four, but <laughs> I was going to say three kids like we have, but, you know, yeah. slightly different number. But yeah, that that's one way that actually it does kind of force you back to earth and it forces you to yes. like kind of hopefully, hopefully you're letting yourself be forced to spend time with your family. But, you know, that's that's just like the perfect yeah. way to energize, re-energize yourself. The other thing is this space and station also, company. Oh, that, I was going to say I'm also very lucky because my, my wife is also a, a storyboard artist. Oh, really? A story- storyboard supervisor and a director of of animation and i think it was last year or the year before she directed the pixar animated short called lamp life okay so she can re- we can relate to the the busy take a break busy take kind of life that yeah. we have so yeah this it's space station where i'm directing right now the whole thing is built off of this YouTuber's brand and he had his own YouTube channel that he just did all these high adventure type of stuff, just had fun. But his wife and daughter started this smaller one where they were just playing together. And then he joined that one and it actually grew bigger than his original YouTube channel. And that's what we're creating animated content for. And I think one of the biggest benefits is just, I'm constantly reminded with how this guy plays with his children. And this guy's busy. Like he's constantly running all over the place, starting something. We have this huge NFT launch that's going to coincide with release of this first episode. And there's just lots of stuff happening. And he's still like, it's almost like that that show forces them to spend time together. But when they play, they play together so well. And I've been so inspired just with how he plays with his children. Not just spending the time, but actually, how are you going to do this? And how are you going to make it fun and engaging? Yeah. And if you're a parent, you don't want to miss out on that. You don't. You don't. It, it goes quick. And you want to, you want to, you know, I... My wife and I always talk about this. People out there directing animated films for kids <laughs> that work so hard making animated film for kids, but then they never spend time with their own kids. Yeah. That seems a little weird. That does. You don't want to forget to, to spend time with your family, you know? Yeah. Even while you're directing something or working. Yeah, I one of the producing partners that I've been chatting with, he uh I've been very impressed with how he reserves the bedtime for his daughter. Like he won't he will yeah. not schedule a big it doesn't matter how much money's on the table table, you know, he won't schedule a big yeah. meeting during that time because it's so precious to him. Yeah, I I keep taking these little cues from different people. It's like, yeah, this is really what life's all about. Especially if you yeah. want to make deep, meaningful films. Like if your life is not deep and meaningful, how can you expect your films to be resonant? I can't remember who said that. If it was Brad Bird or Disney or something, but if you know you want to, if you want to create life in a film, you've got to live life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so here's a question. This is a burning question that always comes up, and I've started to remove this curse from myself. (laughs) So I, I probably will not work for Disney or Pixar. You know, the opportunity has opened up. In recent years, but I was so engaged in this independent stuff that I was just like, I can't give this up. You know, this is going so well. And so my question is always, 
And I've started to kind of see it resolved. It's like, I think I'm learning these things. But do you, can you think of anything that you would learn at a place like Disney or Pixar that you can't learn as an independent? Especially mm. now that you've been having, you've had both experiences with the independent versus Yeah. The- well, you know, you know, also I would say that, you know, my, my situation was different because like when I came in to Pixar, I was like employee 80, right? Yeah. So people knew Pixar because the few people out there that, <laughs> you know, there was no Toy Story. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, so there was just Luxo Lamp, right? Luxo Jr., Knick Knack. Anybody who was geeky enough to know those animated shorts would know Pixar. But yeah. So when I came in, Pixar was a pretty unknown place. But what I got out of the company was, you know, I think it was collaborating with a group of people yeah. to make something special. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and then obviously when you're working at a company, you you learn from one another. You do. And if you Definitely. work at a, at a place where people are very passionate about what they do, it's like it's a continuation of school. Yeah, yeah. You're like working with someone who loves cinematography, another person who loves color and lighting, person who loves animation, storytelling and music. And, you know, that's the thing that I I love is that collaboration. And I think that's one of the big things you get out of working at a place like a Pixar or Disney. But also, you know, the thing is that it is exciting when you get to work at a company that's a film studio or animation studio that's more of a startup yeah. because they are more willing to take big chances. Right. Because they haven't accumulated a whole fortress of money that they don't want to lose. Right, right. So <laughs> when you have nothing to lose, you take big chances. Yeah. But as your company continues to grow and you keep filling the coffers with more and more money, you're like, oh. Maybe we shouldn't try something too new. We don't want to lose it all. And that's no fun. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So, and, and that's kind of describing my past several years is like I've been working with all these smaller, scrappy places, you know, and, and that's fun. the amount of growth and learning has been incredible, you know, oh, to, yeah. to the point where it's like. I think, too, when you work for a smaller, scrappier place, a lot of times people have to do multiple jobs. Yes. So. Yeah. You, it's not just like you come into a big company as a specialist and your one job is layout. That's all you're doing. Yeah. You can come into a company and you'll be doing layout and lighting and and sculpting. Yeah. Right? And so it's kind of like going into a small little town in the middle of nowhere where the school teacher is also the mayor and also <laughs> runs the gas station. Yeah, you know? yeah. So – it's I like it. It's fun. And that's the way the, the Blender Studio is run. I mean, we only there. I mean, I, I'm here just as the, the director and writer for this one project. But the people who are here permanently at Blender, there's only like 15 employees. Wow. And the quality of this animated short is I I think it's it's really going to impress people. And and I think it's very entertaining. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's Bye. awesome. That's really great. Yeah, and it, that's about the size of the team that I'm directing right now. It's about 15 yeah. people. Now, we are we are cranking more content out, so we're kind of sacrificing a bit of the quality of polish, 
for mm -hmm. the quality of story and the quality of, you know, experimentation and really engaging with the audience. Yeah, but the, the benefit out of it is that the distribution size for this guy's YouTube channel, we're going to have more views than most Netflix shows get, you know? So that's that's right. pretty incredible, you know, to be able to see that audience response, which we haven't released the first episode. We will in October, I believe, but it'll be cool to see that audience response and how they engage with it. And, yeah, uh, that's, yeah, that's exciting. It's, it's really amazing to see different people who have tons of subscribers and have enough money to be able to finance making a uh, really high quality material. Yeah. You know, my friend Colin Levy, he ended up directing and writing a live action short <laughs> that just came out and it's called The Time Traveling Cowboy or Sheriff. <laughs> And that just came out. Oh, gosh, I really should remember all these people's names. But the guy who is like uh, he does all these kind of visual magic tricks online, Mike, the Mike something. He's oh. pretty big. I'll find it in a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep talking. I'll find it. But I saw that and he just put that out and it looked amazing. Was he on uh, what's it called? It's a platform that people don't use anymore. It's uh, Zach King. Zach King. That's who I was thinking. So, yeah. 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 So the time traveling sheriff, it just came out two days ago. Yeah. And it's like 12 minutes long, but it looks great. Yeah. And it's insane and and such a great opportunity for creative people. You know, there's so many people out there who would love to have content. Yes. And I think the thing to really be focused on as a creative person is just honing your craft and knock on doors and, and be ready to have something prepared. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, with this uh, space station opportunity, I was not looking for a job, right? I had actually said the day before, I don't want to work for somebody else again. Yes. <laughs> I'm loving running my own thing, and my feature film is about to get funded. I think I, I'm just in the zone, right? And then I just went to Space Station to see what they were up to. And they're not just a YouTuber creating animated content. They are very sprawling, like, business. There are all kinds of incredible things going on at the Space Station. I think there are eight businesses. It's just an incredible outfit they have there and as just as we talked i was just like there's no way i can't just come in and engage with this thing you know <laughs> i've got to do this like i've got to come in here and just jump in and just engage with it all and uh, yeah. so within a couple of days i was suddenly going against what i had just said the day before you know <laughs> but yeah. uh yeah it's it's cool it's and and it's really given me this vision of this creator's economy. You know, we used to be in more of an economy where a few people controlled the content that everybody sees. But now we really have a creator-driven economy. There's lots of opportunities that just we wouldn't see coming otherwise. So yeah. like what you said, the hone your craft, like get as good as you possibly can. Oh, cool story. So <laughs> sorry, but this is really pertaining to what you're saying. So years ago, I was told that I should do what Sean Duras was doing, the co-founder of the space station. And what he was doing is just, he was just taking pictures and drawing little sketches on things and just, you know, throwing th ideas out into the world. And he grew this huge following on Snapchat. He was like one of the first people to a million followers or something like that. So my friend was like, you should do what Sean Duras is doing. And I looked at it and I thought, no, I want to do something deeper. I want to do something, you know, higher quality. And I really want to refine my skills. But that choice actually just brought it full circle, right? And we just joined right back up and I was able to still benefit from what he's built by doing it that way. So yeah, it's cool. You have these different types of skill sets out in the world. You have people who are more marketers or they're good at raising money. And then you have people who create things and, and we all need each other to be able to yes. succeed. I mean, you, you look at the history of artists. All these great artists that, that were able to get their work out there to be able to 
to to build something or make something. They always needed to have somebody who would kind of, you know, fund it. Yeah. Right. So, yes. And the funding world, those... I don't know if you've found, but it has a lot of sharks in it, you know, <laughs> like there, oh, yeah. there are a lot yeah. of people and... who would like to take advantage of you or. Yeah. Yeah. And the tricky thing I think a lot of us know is that the more creative control you give, if you need finances, yes, that ends up watering down the vision. Yes. Your idea. Yeah. And one of the things I would say with Blender, which has been amazing, <laughs> is that pretty much what I pitched them in the beginning, we've just gone with it. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. So it takes I a lot of vision having... and guts to do that, right? Yeah. I yeah. think it takes a, a lot of vision and, and, and guts from them. Exactly. Also to yeah. That's just what I'm saying. Me. Yeah. So, but it's really cool to be able, because, you know, a lot of times you work on something and you go, ah. It's not exactly what I wanted to do, but I'm happy we we made it. But, you know, it's uh, I got pretty lucky that they let me uh, be creative and just do this. That's great. So I had William Joyce on the show almost a year ago, I think. And he, yeah, it was more than a year ago. And yeah, he's one of the directors that I've seen that has just been the most independent, but he's had so many projects that he has, you know, and he actually has a provision in his contract that he gets like the last say on things. I get the last say on the title. I don't want you to take Last of the Leafman and turn it to Epic, you know? I I want to be able to at least say that, you know, yeah. that let's come up with a better title and be part of that process. I think that's very clever of him to be able to, like, say, no, no. Well, because as a creator, you have to be willing to collaborate, but you also have to be willing to stand up for the integrity of the idea. You do. It's, yeah. it's, it's a dance. Yeah, it is it's a dance. It's like you're dancing with somebody and... You're thinking what what's your next move you want to do, but the person you're dancing with may want to go that way. Yeah. And you've got to find a, a happy medium or you're both going to fall down. Yes, yeah, so it's going to look terrible. <laughs> it is. But, yeah. you know, I met I met Joyce at Pixar. Yes. Yeah. Because He's for a while the there, days. I don't know if he mentioned this. Toy Story and Bugs Life, uh, right? Directing, well, he was directing an animated short. He did not mention that. Bum, bum, bum. Now people, not many people. Did it have a title? Is it the and, title disclosable? Well, I, I can't even say anything because it's not even anywhere out there. I don't oh, know. Oh, wow. Yeah. Disney wants to let any of it out. But yeah, it was being developed for like a year. Wow. And it didn't get made. But yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So it was, I had a like a full-time campaign to work for Moonbot. <laughs> Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, that was one of my favorite places. I was like, I was looking at it thinking, this is like the next Pixar, right? And sadly, the yeah. company is it has shut down for many reasons, but uh, the people who are there are still creating some amazing things. So yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting how you were bringing up the NFT thing. Yeah. Uh, have you found any success there for, because, you know, there's a lot of people buying NFT art out there. Yeah. But any success of trying to to blend that with raising money to make animated projects? Has anyone tried that yet? Yes. <laughs> and I actually had Still a conversation good. of creating like the unsingable song coin. It was just too dicey right. of territory at that time. So yeah, I'm not going to reveal too much soon, but you really should watch. No, but I, you I should think watch there's a, when a, a lot of opportunity. Yeah, you should watch when this episode comes out and how this NFT launch is going to be. It's, it's going to be incredible and I can't say much right, more cool. than that. But uh, yeah. it's going to be remarkable. And I again, it's, it's all these minds coming together, right? It's not just a creative mind saying, yeah, I'd like to make some extra side money. Maybe I'll make some NFTs, you know? Right. It's like we've got this dynamic plan that we're coordinating and pulling all these things together. And then hopefully yeah. we make something that 
creates this more sustainable thing so that we sustain ourselves as an animation studio and then build yep. awesome things in the future. Because the, the goal isn't just to stay on A for Adley content. That's just the beginning of space station animation. So, right. Yeah. So uh, there's got to be there's got to be an opportunity. Out there, there is. There is. I'm sure there is. I had Tom Bancroft on the show just as he, as he had funded Pencilish Studios. Right. And so he had right. pe- a bunch of people invest in the studio. And it's like, that's kind of the same thing, right? We're just pulling funding for people. And um, the yeah. difference with something right. like the unsingable song coin or, you know, some type of NFT that's connected to that is that it already has value, right? You could raise the whole funding of the movie and then that coin already has value and it's already generating, you know, yes. value in itself. And then when the film comes out, it becomes even more valuable, right? So it's, It sounds like a good idea, man. It does. It does. It's just it so does. wild, wild west that I'm waiting for the pieces know, to fall into place and we'll uh, hopefully do it someday. You know. <laughs> well, yeah. I got to visit Tom uh, in Nashville because yeah. he, he is. And so it was great to finally meet him. Yeah. Um, and that was just a couple of years ago. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, he's a nice guy. Oh, yeah. He and Tony, they're just great. They're absolutely yeah. great. I think I'm, I'm going to be on one of their next episodes of the Bancroft Brothers oh, podcast. Oh, very cool. And it was cool because, you know, these... That's what's great about the animation industry. You just, you can't carry around an ego and be successful for too long, right? Because <laughs> these people that I've yeah. seen have, who have the most longevity, they're just the sweetest, most generous people, right? And yeah. I mean, yeah, to have well, Tom, Tom Bancroft impressed with me, you know, <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, I had this conversation just yesterday. There's the producer of Blender, but then there's the owner of Blender. His name's Tom. Yeah. And yeah. he was sitting with me because they're... They've been all very happy that we're all on schedule. And I really say that's because the story gets figured out first. Right. And then there's no no freaking out when we're animating things. But, <laughs> but he was saying, story. you know, you are the nicest director we have ever worked with. Yeah. What is wrong with you? Why are you not like <laughs> other directors who who get mad and curse and, and yell at everybody and get temperamental and... And my response was, I said, I, I really don't think people, if people are scared and freaked out every day when they come into work, I don't really think they're going to create great stuff. Yeah. I said that I really believe that when people are having fun, they create great things. Yeah, and absolutely. It's it's not my job to be this uh, evil taskmaster that's yelling at people. I want to be the one who's giving a clear vision and making sure that we're having a good time when we're making it. Yeah. You know? I had a cool moment on one of these musical shorts that I've been writing and then we're going to direct and and release soon. There was this um, person in the team and he was hesitant to do so. But he's like, I've been thinking about that and I had some questions here and some questions there and... And, you know, we had a wonderful discussion and it it did sh- sort of change the course of the short. It made it more clear of what I was intending to do. And uh, I, I thanked him for it. And he's, you know, I was like, don't be apologetic of this. You know, I, I am yeah. just like everybody else. I have these blind spots and, you know, come and tell me if you see one, you know, <laughs> and we can make yeah. the work better before we get to the point where we're animating and then it's more expensive. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, but that's, that's always my philosophy when I am. Uh, supervising or directing or collaborating with a group, I always feel that the best idea or the best story wins. Yes. And I love it if somebody comes up with something more clever, 
more entertaining because it just makes us all look better. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Um, you know, if I had my book right now, The Best Story Wins, which uh, I would hold it up right now. But that's the name of my book. Yeah, go look up his book wins. and I'll put I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Is it yeah, on Amazon sure. or it is on Amazon? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll put a link to it in the show notes so people. can. But I really it. do believe that it's uh the best leaders out there, the best like directors and stuff are ones that are always open to to the people who have been at the company the longest or the interns who have just showed up. Yeah. Really always being open to to getting people's feedback on how to plus an idea. And I yeah. let everybody know that from day one working on this project. If you got a better idea, let's let's talk about it and see if it'll if it'll work. That is such I think people might listen to that and miss how profound what you just said is. But it is so profound, you know, <laughs> having experience in this, like if there's that open door policy, and I like how you said from day one, because it didn't happen from day one with me, because I was just trying to figure out what was going on. Um, yeah. But very quickly, like when he did that, we had that interaction. I went to the team the next day and I said, please do this. You know, <laughs> please yeah. come to me like this and, and let me know if there's a blind spot. It's it, I don't have all yeah. the ideas. And yeah, we, we need to work together on this. And thank you, James. Yeah. Well, now I've told James Thomas, you're amazing. Thank you for being a good example of you know, standing up and sharing your ideas. So as we finish the show, I always get to the get wiser moment, which yeah. is uh, if my the question is, if my goal is to get the highest clarity of truth into a story, what approach would you recommend? That is uh, a good question. A heavy so, one, too. <laughs> the, the clearest, the clearest truth in your your idea. Yeah. So what I would say is, first off, I think the first mistake that ends up happening is is people don't have a theme in mind uh -huh. when they are making something. And sometimes that theme emerges later on yeah, while you're, yeah. you're creating the story. But in the end, you want to make sure that you have a clear, clear theme in your story. Yeah. There's a clear message. Yeah. Usually that clear message is the epiphany of the character, your main character in Act 3. Yeah. When they go, oh, my gosh, you know, being there for my owner, Andy, doesn't mean I need to physically be there. I can still be for Aunt, be there for Andy if he's miles away at college and I can still be his favorite toy. Yeah. That's like the epiphany. And so the theme of the film is that you can always be there for somebody. Yeah. Whether you're standing right next to them or they're miles away. But I think that's the first mistake is people just never come to what is the theme of the film. Yeah, that's a big What's mistake the that I often see. But yeah. once you know what the theme is, then that theme needs to become your North Star. And through the entire production, whether you're writing it or directing it, you have to remember that is where the whole story is leading to. Yeah. Right? So, it, you know, what is the message that crime doesn't pay or that true love conquers all, you know, <laughs> whatever the theme is, you've got to make sure that especially at the end of the film, that's the message that everyone is left with when they leave the movie theater or they finish watching the film. And that is, you know, people don't start reading a book or start watching a movie just to get to the middle. No, they start reading a book or watch a movie to get to the end. Yes. Yeah. And the end has to be what was this whole thing all about? What yeah. was the theme? What was the takeaway? Have you ever found your theme um, deepen or expand? Yes. Because I think that uh, that is and, necessary because it's easy to go like, OK, what's a political point or something that's popular, like a, a phrase that's popular right now? How do I make a film right. based on that? And then you might end up creating propaganda or, you know. Yeah. 
And uh, I was actually thinking about this on the way over here. You know, Incredibles is so interesting because they did a really good job proving that Bob is pretty awesome on his own. Even though the theory, the, yes. the theme of that movie is you can't do it all on your own. Your your family is your greatest right. source of super strength, right? Yeah, that's that's the deepening of, of a theme is what it feels like to me. And when you're searching for that theme, and maybe this is what the beginning of your question was asking, but yeah. when you're searching for that theme, one of the ways to be able to find that theme and disguise it with a metaphor disguise it with animated rats or animated cars or superheroes yeah. is you really want to think about, you know, things that are important to you in life. Yeah. And Brad Bird, when he was making The Incredibles, the theme really emerged from Brad Bird is a guy who loves filmmaking. He loves filmmaking so much that that is his true love in life. Yeah. Beyond his family and his kids, he loves filmmaking. Yeah. But that's not, you know, he obviously feels very guilty about that. How yeah, can yeah, I combine struggle. my love of filmmaking and my love for my family? Do you is do we live in a world where you can just have one or and not the other? Yeah. Is there a way to blend it together? Yeah. And that's really yeah. what the story of the Incredibles is. A guy who really wants to be a superhero, that's his calling, but if he does it then he can't be a good dad and a husband as well. Yeah. And the message is, yes, you can. Yeah. You can do it and you can do it if you all do it together. So themes got to have a struggle attached to it, like a personal, real struggle. I, I listened to a thing by, I think it was Jack Grapes was being, I think that was his name, if I remember correctly. It's not somebody I've seen before, but it was just this okay. interview about theme. And he kept he kept asking this woman, like, what are you struggling with right now? And she she's like, well, this and this is about the p- pandemic. He's like, okay, pandemic, that's like a birthday cake. Toss that out. You know, <laughs> let's talk about this. And he kept pushing her deeper and deeper to like, what's the reason behind that? What's the deeper truth behind that? And it got to the point where he's like, what's the deeper truth behind that? And she went, Ugh. he's like, okay, you hit the bottom. Exactly. <laughs> he's like, now you've got to write it's from like that you're place. In a counseling session. Yeah. It really is like you're in a counseling session. Yeah. The way I always think about it is when you invite people into your home, you, you, you want to like have the place vacuum. Well, hopefully you want to have the place vacuumed and cleaned and all the, the kitchen looks clean and it looks like you have a perfect life. Yeah. And then Someone says, can we go down and look at your basement? And you're like, no, no, don't go down there. That's Not where that I keep room. all the all the crap and all the broken stuff and all the, the baggage. But that's where you want to go yeah. when you're looking for what your story is about. Yeah. You really want to go to what are those root problems and root struggles you have in life? Because that's the good stuff. That's the, the stuff you would never want to share with anybody. That's the stuff that makes a great story. Yeah. Awesome. And then you disguise it with animated fish. Yes. Or toys, you know. <laughs> or even two people. But, even two people, yes. you know, the drama, like Shakespeare was a master at this. This is why his yeah. stories lasted for so long. Or two animals, if you think about Aesop. That's why his stories lasted for so long, because yep. he looked at real human struggles that he probably experienced himself. Aesop was a slave. I don't know if a lot of people knew that. You know, he had a hard life. And yet, yeah. one of the reasons I think he lasted so long is he had all these stories, and people valued that. And they could see, like, oh, this so guy has watch those Toy Story films. Yeah. You, know, you watch those Toy Story films, and yes, we love Mr. Potato Head and Woody and Buzz. But all of the struggles that are going on in those films are deep, relatable struggles we all go through. Yeah. And for Woody, in Toy Story 1, 2, and 3, and 4, his deep root struggle that he deals with is his fear of being abandoned. Yeah. And it's a universal theme that everybody deals with. Everybody wants to belong. Everybody wants to be loved. And nobody wants to be abandoned. Yeah. You don't want to be abandoned when somebody better comes along and you may lose your job 
or the person you love may not want to be with you anymore, or we fear being abandoned when you feel like you're getting too old or you're not relevant anymore, or you fear getting abandoned because your kids grow up and they move away. Yeah. That is, those are all the Toy Story films. Yeah. And Cars 3. Woody's favorite When you talked about getting too old and being abandoned, that was Cars 3. Or not being useful anymore. I guess that was more about, that was more Lightning McQueen's thing was, am I going to be useful? But yeah. Right. Yeah. But Toy Story 4, Woody feels he is not relevant anymore. Yeah. And he has to start a new chapter of his life. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, With Bo, which I think surprised everybody. I don't think anybody thought, no, you're not, you're really going to do this. You're going to split Woody and Buzz up. (laughs) <laughs> and Woody's going to pick Bo. If if you have haven't seen that movie, okay, spoiler alert. But okay, it's too late. You know, <laughs> but, and spoilers but, are spoilers are uh, yes, just a current thing. I I always go back to Alfred Hitchcock. He would tell you the full plot in his teaser or in his trailer. You know, yeah, because he was such a master. He knew he could do that, and you'd still go see his film and yes. love it. So yeah, it's yes. still a great film. Go watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you know that Woody and Bo end up together, because there's a struggle there. You know, it's it's worth seeing. How did they make it? Not just that they make it. How yes. did they make it together? That's what's interesting. Well, you know, that's one of the things uh, that you want to do uh, when you create a, a great ending of a story is pretty much everybody knows when they're going to go watch a romantic comedy or some action adventure film. They all pretty much know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. You know, the two people are going to get together in the end. The good guy is going to defeat the bad guy. But the fun part is how do they do it, right? That's yeah. why we sit and watch it because we want to see how do they overcome the obstacles? What are the clever, interesting ways that they figure out how to solve that problem or what epiphanies do they go through? Yeah. that's We still enjoy it, you know? Yeah, we want to know how to survive. <laughs> and it's all survival information of some sort. Love. Yeah relationships work something yeah so awesome awesome thank you so much for being on the show matthew i wish we could talk longer this has been wonderful i I always love talking about story so yeah oh me too i could do it all day (laughs) it's it's probably why we have to do it like it's just part of our blood so anyway uh you can follow matthew and i with the links that i'll put down in the show notes within the hour thanks and until next time i hope we all get a little wiser Thank you for watching the Directing Animation Livecast, hosted by Scott Weiser, audio version edited by Kira Horowitz, copyright Scott Weiser, LLC, 2021.